Hey y'all, happy new year. This is the first order of operations episode of 2021. Today we are going to dive deeper into a topic we touched on at the end of last year and that is trust. Yes, Libby and I mentioned that we had met with the great place to work to learn more about getting certified as workplaces with their third party verification process. Our account manager, Ryan, told us that the number one driving factor behind their employee satisfaction surveys is trust and what the level of trust is behind stakeholders in a company. Coming out of 2020 being an absolute dumpster fire, regardless of how you conduct yourself and the level of integrity within your workplace, chances are trust is kind of running low across the board right now. It's honestly pretty hard to be trusting of your environment when there is a toilet paper shortage, not to mention all the civic and human rights issues, election issues, economic issues, and just so much more that we don't have the energy to rehash. So today we're going to break down the fundamentals of trust and what we can do to rebuild any broken trust within our organizations going forward. So before we get started, let's frame the conversation. And this organization that we are looking to build trust in, we have stakeholders. Stakeholders are not the same as stockholders. They are anyone who has an interest in the performance of a company. So for the purposes of today's conversation, the stakeholders we are going to be discussing are customers, employees, investors, and society. Let's start by discussing what these parties want. Stakeholders want to build trust with an organization, but their ways of doing that vary. So there's three main boxes that an organization needs to check in order to earn the trust of their customers, employees, investors, and society. They are keeping economic promises, keeping legal promises, and keeping ethical promises. But the ways of doing this really varies by the stakeholder. So with customers, the economic promise that a, that a business needs to keep is to provide products and services that enhance their lives. So you're not selling them something for the sake of making money off of them. You're selling them something that they actually would benefit from. The legal promise that a business makes to their customers is to follow customer protection laws and industry regulations. So like stuff like the FDA. And they also make ethical promises to their customers. So stuff like to make good on their commitments, to disclose any possible risk with using their product or services, and then to remediate mistakes made or any harm done. So there's a little bit of checks and balances to that relationship. The type of promises that a business makes to their employees on an economic basis, it's to provide a livelihood. So pay and benefits, training and opportunity for growth. Legal promises would be to follow labor, anti-discrimination and workplace safety laws. And then ethical promises would be to provide a safe workplace condition, job security, and to treat everyone on the workforce fairly. Promises made between a business and their investors would, on an economic basis, be to provide returns and to manage the risk. On a legal basis, it's to fulfill fiduciary duties and to disclose material information. And then on an ethical basis, it's to oversee their employees' conduct and to abstain from insider training or self-dealing. So that's a huge legal piece in addition to ethical. Um, and then promises made between a business and society on an economic basis, it's to offer employment and economic development to the areas that they serve and to fill important needs. 
on a legal basis. It's to follow all local and federal laws as well as to work within regulations. And then ethical is to protect public health, the environment, and the local community and to set industry standards. Nice. Good research, Libby. So beyond a business being able to fulfill the promises they've made to their stakeholders, there are other questions people ask themselves when determining how trustworthy they believe a business is. So the first is, is the business competent? They consider two things when determining the level of competence. One, do they have technical competence? For example, can they properly deliver on their products and services? And two, are they socially competent? which is really just, are they adaptable to the evolving marketplace? So the second question they need to ask themselves is, is the company motivated to serve others' interests as well as its own? So with this, a company needs to analyze the extent to which they are benefiting from their stakeholders and whether or not someone is disproportionately benefiting at the cost of someone else. So for example, are their employees making a lot of commissions because they're overcharging for services at the cost of their own customers' well-being? Then third, does the company use a fair means to achieve its goals? There are four types of fairness we have to consider. Procedural fairness, whether good processes based on accurate data are used to make decisions and are applied consistently, and whether groups are given a voice in decisions affecting them. Second, distributive fairness, how resources such as pay and promotions or pain points such as layoffs are allocated, then interpersonal fairness, how well stakeholders are treated, and then last but not least, informational fairness, whether communication is honest and clear. And then the fourth and final question is, does the company take responsibilities for all of its impact? So this is pretty self-explanatory. This is why Facebook has been criticized a lot in recent years, because as a social media platform, they're held to different standards than a news outlet per se, and they're not held legally responsible for the content that circulates on their platform. So a lot of misinformation is spread on Facebook and Instagram with very little moderation from the platform host. This has led to Facebook and its founder, Mark Zuckerberg, being heavily scrutinized for the lack of accountability for false and damaging information being shared online lately, because Facebook is not taking full responsibility for all of the impact of its platform. So now that we have an understanding of what determines trust, let's talk about different ways to diagnose if you have an issue and then rebuild trust once it's been broken. So Nikki and I read a lot of articles in preparation for this episode because we wanted to make sure we were bringing like good data to the conversation. And basically the synopsis of everything we read is that trustworthy companies are literally that. They are worthy of trust. So if your company has lost trust, you need to identify what you did wrong and then correct your course. Pretty self-explanatory and annoying because it's not like a silver bullet answer but we're gonna break it down a little bit more. Yes, in an article titled, When Innovation and Trust Are at Odds by Robert Hurley, Hurley discusses how to identify potential for trust issues and signals that should be red alerts when there is an actual issue. So let's start with the potential issues and staying ahead of mistrust. So Hurley provides us with the underlying causes and what diagnostic questions we should be asking ourselves. So think of this as like a T-chart 
of the cause of mistrust and then like the diagnostic questions. So a potential cause of mistrust would be your sales, your profit, your expenses, or pressure to maintain a certain stock price. And so a diagnostic question you should be asking yourself as a business leader is, is the pressure to achieve financial goals unreasonable and fear-inducing for your staff? A cause of mistrust could be the speed, timeline, or deadline pressure you're imposing on your staff. And so the diagnostic question would be, can people take the time to do things correctly? Cause of mistrust would be short-term goals, and your diagnostic question as a business leader would need to be, do your short-term goals trump your long-term goals? So are you allocating so much time, energy, money, resources to your short-term goals that you're not investing enough in your long-term five to 10-year plan for your business? One last cause of mistrust would be new management. And so a diagnostic question you need to be asking yourself as a business leader is, is your management stable? And if you have new management in place, are they recklessly trying to make their mark on a business without consideration for the rest of the team? So honestly, this is a really great table of questions that I think is applicable to organizations of really any size. I feel like these questions are interesting because you have one perspective as you go through and answer these, but then how would your team answer them? And then also like, I feel like you need to even break down the answers more. Like how do the high performing members of your team answer them? And how do the lower performing members of your team answer them? I put a lot of work into ensuring that like goals are reasonable and attainable. And if like someone at the very end of the day is like, no, this is ridiculous. There's no way I can make that. My gut reaction is like, okay, well then like maybe you're saying you can't do it, but I know this is possible. So maybe you shouldn't be here. It's a balance of accountability. It's are my expectations for you too high or is your personal commitment to getting my expectations met? Like, are you just not pushing yourself enough? Are you like a low performer? Are you not motivated enough to fulfill your job duties? I would certainly say that applies to the mistrust stuff, like the sales goals, like deadline pressure and short-term goals, like just not being able to balance and prioritize can either be an employee's problem or it can be the manager just expecting too much. And it's really hard to know which is which unless you have enough people on a team to be able to like kind of compare and contrast. I'd say the only mistrust or cause of mistrust on the list that I think is particularly different from the rest is new management. And this is the one that like stuck with me the most on the list because we've done a handful of resales most recently. I know every time we go in with a new resale, Karen is overly conscientious of making sure it feels like a stable exchange of power between the old owner to the new owner. I feel like that's the only one that's kind of a little bit different from the rest on the list. But then that's a hard one because you want to be able to have opportunity for people to grow. You need to have a ladder. You need to have a, a career path within your organization. And that's going to involve promoting people who are new managers. Or like maybe you grow and you have to make a new position or like at another level. New management is also a good sign. It's a sign that there's like health in the business. I feel like with all these potential causes of mistrust, in addition to like knowing how to diagnose them, the biggest thing with anything is communication. Like communication is key in having a really clear rubric 
with your team, like a really clear scorecard for what is success, what is average performance and what is performing at an unacceptable standard. I feel like the more you communicate and the more transparency there is within your organization, even if people aren't performing, they at least know where they stand with you and that like, even if they're unhappy about it, they can still trust you as their leader and as the person who is the authority on what's going on in a business. That is very true. Communication is the key. Okay. So let's say you've tried your best and you try to do as much communication as you possibly can. I'm going to assume the best of all of our listeners. And so let's look into identifying signals that trust has been broken. So Hurley also provided diagnostic questions for these. So there's a signal that trust is broken through turnover. So you want to ask yourself, are good people leaving the company? Another signal is disengagement. Are employees vigilant or are they just going through the motions? There's also hotline calls. Are we hearing more warnings from employees? And then abnormal growth and beating expectations. The question there is, are we growing beyond our capacity and quality? And then there's jokes about controls and control functions. So the question is, are we cynical about the lack of controls? And then finally, exceptions to policies. Are we cutting corners? So I think the two most prevalent issues on this list that I've seen within my organization is that I've seen disengaged employees and I've seen exceptions to policies. So in our team, we call them chair spinners. It's those who kind of just like sit back and wait for the students to need them versus proactively engaging and Socratic questioning the students as they're completing their work. So we personally, we write up our chair spinners because that is below an acceptable quality of service within our company. We have no tolerance for that. It is something that we train from day one that we do not accept passive interactions with students. We want it to be a very dynamic experience in the learning center. So that's a no-go in the lossing team. And then the other one that kind of drives me insane is the exceptions to policies. It's always the centers or like the center managers that think that they know their center best, they know their students best, they know their market best, and therefore they're not gonna do it the organizational standard way, and so they're gonna do it their way. There is a balance in portfolio management though. So that person can either be innovating our new best way of getting a task done, or they just don't sufficiently understand the why or understand the need to compromise and adapt to one standardized system for the sake of large scale portfolio management. Is it wrong or is it different? My favorite question. I feel like this is another good example of just how you and I are good compliments, Libby. You were talking about managing the behavior and my thoughts go to the motivations. Prepping for this episode, I did a lot of self-reflection per use. And I feel like at the end of 2020, I started to get a lot of like outward questioning of why from my direct team and then their teams as well. And there was also a lot of like cutting corners and hotline calls, which I love that term, by the way. I'm going to use that a lot now. And I think it was because of a lack of understanding of why. It wasn't necessarily broken trust, just like a, I want more information. So if no one has guessed yet, yes, I am reading Start With Why by Simon Sinek. It's all about staying true to your cause, having your business stay true to its cause and its higher purpose. 
my big challenge is trying to manage a drinking from the fire hose overload of information and then getting everybody everything they need to be successful and have people have good answers to all of these questions. One other source and credit for this episode, um, we read an article, The Trust Crisis by Sandra J. Sucher and Shalene Gupta from the Harvard Business Review. So quick shout out to those ladies because that is where a lot of the technical knowledge from this episode came from. I don't know if there's a nice, pretty, shiny bow for this one. I feel like the problems of the week and our random tip is going to be sit down, ask yourself these questions, and also get answers from someone you trust and will give you honest answers. Honesty is going to be really valuable here and will help in the long term to either ensure that you're staying ahead of mistrust or you're diagnosing the fact that it's been broken and there's some work to do to make it better. Okay, social media plug. If you haven't already, join us on Instagram because we've been doing a lot of question boxes on our stories. And personally, I entertain myself at night with them and I like getting to talk with you guys back and forth. So please and thank you, join us on that. Hopefully this is another good thought-provoking episode. I'm excited to hear the conversations afterwards. This is Nikki and Libby with the Real Talk for 2021. So we're on episode 37, Trust. Let's see, do you want to do the first closeout of the year, Libby? Oh God, okay. It got so much harder because it's no longer PEMDAS. (laughs) Okay. I don't know how to say it. Oh my God. Um, P-E-O-M-D-A-S podcast every other Monday. Download and subscribe. Bye. Bye.